Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. Thank you for joining us and being part of our community. As Christian said, there will be an online host that will greet you and a way that you can connect with us. So um, I think we've all heard the phrase, just pull the Band-Aid off. And what that phrase refers to is, if there's going to be pain, then we would rather just to get it over with. And so um, we are going to do exactly that this morning. No introductions, no funny stories. We are just going to rip the band-aid off and start our new series called How to Handle Pain. And I want to start this series off by laying some foundations that we'll be uh, building on over the next six weeks. And the first comment that I want to make is that pain is real. Now, you may be worried at this point that I've worked on this message all week only to come up with that statement, pain is real. But let me take that statement just one step further, and that is that your pain is real. I think a lot of times when we have been through pain, we've dealt with pain in our life, that sometimes we hear messages such as, your pain really shouldn't be that painful. Maybe we get the impression that people think we we should be over it by now. Maybe we're tempted to compare what we've been through with what other people have been through and think, well, they've been through worse, so why should I even be feeling this pain? And so sometimes what we do, because our pain isn't always validated, is we just bury our pain down. But I want you to know at the very beginning of this stage that wherever you are and whatever pain you're dealing with, it is very real to you. My wife, Gwen, works at IU West in the recovery room. And when people come out of surgery, she recovers them, gets them better. And of all of the amazing, miraculous advancements that we've made in the medical field, in terms of the instruments that surgeons use, and the training that surgeons get, uh, in the equipment, in in the pharmaceuticals, we've made all kinds of advancements when it comes to surgery. The way we still measure pain is by saying, hey, uh, like on a scale of maybe 1 to 10, how much pain are you feeling? And that's the only measurement we have for pain, and the reason being is that pain is very subjective. So I want to let you know today that no matter what else you've ever thought of the pain in your life or whatever other people have said this morning, we recognize and we appreciate the pain that you've been through. The other statement that I want to make at the beginning of this series is that the entire kind of Christian construct, like everything that goes into making the Christian faith what it is, kind of the org chart of Christianity and everybody involved and everything that is involved, is specifically and intentionally designed to bring healing and relief to our pain. Look at this slide here 
up on the screen. This is kind of the construct of Christianity. Hopefully your eyes can see this. You have the Godhead. You have God. And in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, there were different names for God. And one of the names for God is Jehovah Rapha, which really means the Lord that heals you. That is his actual name and identity. It wasn't a task. Healing wasn't something that God did. Healing is something that God is. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, we talked about this last week, he stood up and he, he read from uh, the scroll of Isaiah uh, about setting the captive free. And, and that verse that he read, the ending of that verse, says to bring liberty to the bruised. In the King James Version, it says to bring liberty to the bruised. And I like how descriptive that is. The people have just been bruised by life. And at the very beginning of his ministry, when he says, here's what I've come to do, he's essentially came to say, for those who have been bruised, broken, and abused, I've come to bring freedom and that healing. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Comforter. And when we are in pain, we need that Comforter. Listen to this great verse in Proverbs 4 about the Word of God. My words are life to those who find them, healing and health to their flesh. That these aren't just uh, words on a page. This isn't just like a mystery novel that you might read. But this is living and active. And, and, and there is a power to this. There is an efficacy to this word that when we open this up and when we read it, it brings healing and comfort to our pain. And then when the Bible describes the church, there's so many things you could point to that describe the church as a place of healing. But in 1 Corinthians, when Paul talks about the church, he likens it to a body, and he says, when one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And so in summary, I just wanted to start by saying these two things, that number one, your pain is real, it's valid. To whatever extent that you are experiencing today, pain today, we want to recognize that. Secondly, I want to say that you are in the right place in order to receive healing and comfort and strength from that pain. Part of the foundational stones that I want to put in place is the fact that when we use the word pain, we need to understand, well, what exactly are we describing when we say pain? What, what is pain? And maybe even more basically, where does pain come from? And there are a number of different sources of pain. So as we kind of set out on this journey, I just want us to understand the places in our life and the ways that we can experience pain. And I've kind of summarized this in four sources of pain. And the first source of pain that we can experience in our life is what I call self-inflicted pain. Proverbs 14 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death or pain. So when Gwen and I were first married, we lived in a kind of a basement apartment. You opened up the doors to the apartment and you took kind of one half flight set of stairs down and, and that's where our apartment was. So we got married young. I was 21. And so I come in one day to the apartment, I open up the apartment doors, I'm about to go down the stairs, and I decide in this moment that it would be a good idea that instead of using the actual stairs that were provided, or the hand railings, that I would just launch myself from the top stairs, skipping over the six or eight stairs, and landing on the bottom. I'm 21, I am invincible. And so I take a quick half second to do all of the calculus equations and 
and all of the projections, and, and I determine what my velocity needs to be, what my trajectory needs to be, and I launch myself down these eight stairs, and for the first maybe second or second and a half, it was the most glorious physical event you've ever seen. I, I was, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, tonight on Sports Center, I'm going to make the top ten. All right, it, it was beautiful. Everything was how it should be. About halfway on my descent down these stairs, I realized I had made a miscalculation. I did not factor in the landing of the staircase above the one I was leaping down. So mid-air, the top of my head smacks into the landing of the next flight of stairs, and I crumple to the ground, and instead of sticking the landing like a Russian gymnast, I end up looking like a drunk guy on a Friday night, and as I'm lying there on the bottom of the stairs holding my head, I distinctly remember, this is going to make a good sermon illustration one day. That is self-inflicted pain, and as humorous as that story is, there's a serious side to self-inflicted pain, isn't there? We have made decisions and choices and agreements and commitments, we have believed things, we have cherished things in our hearts that have caused pain. And each and every one of us can look back in our life and go, man, I wish I would have done that. Second source of pain is what I call victimized pain, and this is where we experience pain at the hands of other people. And this can happen in a very macro sense, micro sense and a macro sense. In the micro sense, it can be one-on-one. But the person next to you can kick you in the shins, or the person next to you can say something that's hurtful. But you can really expand this victimized pain to the broadest possible stage in that you have one country declaring war on another country. You have one food conglomerate decides, you know what, we want to increase our profits, so we're going to change a healthy ingredient in this food to a less healthy ingredient in this food so that our profits will be greater but yet it'll actually bring harm to our consumers, and we live with that. Victimized pain can extend from generation to generation. So many of the things that we deal with in our life today that cause us pain are because of decisions that other people have made directly related to us or in a much broader scope. It can be generational. And so that's another source of pain. The third source of pain is what I call random pain. And that's when, just by chance, you might have a windstorm come along and knock over a bunch of trees. And on your neighborhood, five trees may have fell over, but only one of them fell on your car. And it's like winning the loser's lottery. And it's just random pain. There's no, nobody to blame for it. And then there's a fourth and the final source of pain is what I call purposeful pain. And that's when you decide, you know what, it's worth the pain that I'm going through to gain what I'm going to gain. And so that may be a diet, that may be exercise. The Bible talks about uh, giving sacrificially. So you say, hey, I want to increase in my giving, so I'm going to give until it pinches. Or you might want to love or serve sacrificially. So there are times when we recognize that, hey, the thing that I'm going to do is going to cause me pain, but it's going to get me something. It is going to cause me to advance. And the reason why it's important to understand the source of the pain is a couple of reasons why this is important. First of all, is if we don't properly uh, understand the source of our pain, we'll never properly discover the solution for our pain. If if I am uh, 
if I'm saying things or doing things or if I have an attitude or a personality that, that causes people to react to me in a certain way and I wonder why people don't like me or I wonder why people don't pay attention to me or I wonder why just, you know, I don't have any friendships and, and I don't realize that it's because of what I'm doing or how I'm behaving, then I'm going to blame it on other people. I'm going to think that it's, well, there's something wrong with the other people and other people need to do something. And what we see happen is we see people leave jobs, leave churches, leave marriages, leave friendships, and, and, and they think there's something wrong with the other person, and they don't understand that they are creating their own reality, right? Similarly, if you maybe deal with insecurity or some esteem issues, it is quite possible it's like somebody is offending you, that somebody is victimizing you, and somebody is causing you pain, but because of your own insecurities, you think it's something you've done to deserve it. Particularly those who have been abused can be deceived into thinking, I deserve less. If only I was different, then they wouldn't abuse me in this way. Determining the source of your pain can be complex because a lot of times there's a number of tributaries to our pain. Sometimes the pain that we're dealing with is a result of a number of different sources. And that's why it's good to have other people in your life who will help you unpack those things so that you can understand what's going on in your life. The other reason why it's critically important to understand the source of your pain is because regardless of the source of your pain, God is always the cure and never the cause. And I want to begin this series by making this plain and clear. God is always the cure of your pain he is never the cause. And we might believe that and we might hear that and go, you know what, that makes sense to me. And most of us would agree with that statement. But the fact is that a lot of times we have a tendency to have some inconsistencies in our theology. Sometimes we can believe two things that are contradictory to one another but not necessarily realize we're holding two contradictory thoughts. So the Lord kind of just dropped this illustration into my hands literally this week. I was playing an HR manager here at church. We had to hire a new custodial company, and so I had about 10 people come through the church and look at the church and quote us on cleaning the church. And one company was so kind to bring me a little gift bag. And in the gift bag was this nice little trinket that says, With God, all things are possible. Isn't that cute? So nice. Amazing thing about with God, all things are possible is that it actually comes from the Word of God. And not just the words of God, it comes from the red words of God in your Bible. Those are worth double. The very words of Jesus that says this. With man, all these things are possible, but with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19.26 But the makers of this little trinket decided that it's not enough to just put the words of Jesus on this little trinket. We need something more. And so they made this little handy-dandy spindle, and on the other side of this cross, it says, if you believe in yourself, anything is possible. Now, the interesting thing is that so many times you will hear Christians using these two phrases somewhat interchangeably. You'll hear people use this phrase and not realize that to say that if you believe in yourself, anything is possible is completely and antithetically opposed with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible is at the very core of the Christian faith. 
if you believe in yourself, anything is possible, is at the very core of secular humanism, which worships mankind. Secular humanism and the Enlightenment movement says, says that man has within him the power to do whatever he wants, has the power to figure things out, and he doesn't need God. So the idea of putting these two things on the actual same trinket is just bizarre if you really think about it. Now, without going into that whole topic, which is an interesting topic, there are other times in our life where we hold two things in contradiction to one another. And an example of that related to pain is when we say these two things. That God has given man free will and that God is in control of everything. And those two statements are in contradiction with one another. And even though making the statement that God is in control comes from a very good place, it comes from a place of, of faith and hope in God, for people who are dealing with pain, it actually leads them to a place of confusion. Because if God is in control, then why did he let the drunk driver broadside the car and kill the entire family inside? If God is in control, then why did he let the uncle rape the 12-year-old nephew? If God is in control, then why did he let Russia attack Ukraine? If God is in control, then why, when I walked into the doctor's office, did the doctor tell me that my child has a terminal illness. See, ultimately, control equals cause. Today we're going to talk about how God intersects with our pain. We're going to talk about the Father's heart and how the Father responds to pain. And the of our series is how to handle pain. And the answer to the question of how we handle pain begins with having a proper understanding of God's heart towards pain and where He meets us and how He meets us in our pain. Today I want to open up by reading uh, a verse from Psalm 130. You'll see it on the screen behind me. It says this, From the depths of despair I call to you, Lord. Hear my cry, O Lord. Listen to my call for help. I wait eagerly for the Lord's help, and in His Word I trust. I wait for the Lord more eagerly than the centuries wait for the dawn, than the centuries wait for the dawn. Israel, trust in the Lord, because His love is constant, and He is always willing to save. You know, one thing that is amazing about the Bible is how transparent it is about the pain and the despair that people go through, how transparent it is even about the questions of faith that some of the church some of the uh, church fathers and the, the, the characters in the Bible have, the questions that they have, is absolutely transparent about that. But the Bible's also transparent, entirely transparent, about how the Father responds to our pain and the Father's heart towards our pain. So today, we're going to begin this series by talking about how the Father's heart feels towards pain. The reason why this is important is because nothing allows us to handle our pain better than having an accurate understanding of the Father's heart. We're going to begin this series not so much talking about pain, but talking about the Father's heart. Because at the end of the day, healing is found in the Father's heart. So the first thing that the Bible teaches us 
about the Father's heart is that pain was never part of God's plan. Pain was never part of God's plan. If you could imagine taking the Bible and, and, and every story in the Bible, kind of turning it into a picture, so you had kind of this sequence of pictures that from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, and you lined up in sequential order all of these pictures that are found in, in the story of the Bible and the history of the Bible. You know, of all of those pictures, you will only have two completely unadulterated, pure images of the Father's heart with no pain involved. In the entire Bible, there are only two pictures that if you were to look at them, and you would say, I see no pain there. And the first picture in the sequence is the picture of Adam and Eve in the garden before sin. And that is our first and one of only two pictures that have no, no pain anywhere in them. And what we see in that picture is just joy, peace, ease, rest, agreement, love. We see all of that. And look, as hard as you might, you will see no pain in that picture. In the very next image, we see sin enter the equation. And immediately after sin, what do we see show up in every picture after? Is we see pain. We are told immediately after sin, three pains are introduced into the life of mankind. First of all, that woman would experience pain in childbirth. And in as much as that's a literal consequence of sin, I think that there was something also figurative about that in that in that in creation, everything that was created, everything that was birthed by the heart of God came with ease, came effortlessly. And one of the pains of sin is now everything that you create, everything that you produce, everything that you birth, not just children, but everything that you birth is, has to go, is going to have to go through this pain process. Nothing is going to come as easy and natural as it did before sin. The other pain that was introduced immediately as a consequence of sin is that God says, the woman will long for the husband and the husband will lord it over her. And so now we see that where there was a, 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 an image of relationship that had no pain in it at all, all of a sudden we now see relational pain that came between Adam and Eve and then the next generation with Cain killing Abel. And we see now within relationships you have pain. And then the final pain that was introduced is when God said to Adam, the work of your hand, the toil of your hand will cause you pain. And so essentially everything that we do will cause us pain. And so what you have is you have that image and then you go through every other image in the Bible and you see some great images of the Father heart of God. You see the Father's heart time and time again in the Bible. Take the story of the prodigal son, a fantastic image of the heart of God running out towards his son. But talk about pain. The pain is dripping off the pages in that story. The pain in the father's heart of knowing that his son rejected him. The pain seeing his son in the condition that he was in. The pain in the son's heart knowing and of him coming to his senses and realize how much he offended his father. The pain of knowing that he had squandered away uh, all of his resources. The pain in the older brother's heart of jealousy. That story is just filled with pain. And in the midst of it, you have the father's heart. But it's not an unadulterated picture of God's pure heart towards pain. The only time we see another picture of that is in Revelation 24. When John has his image of heaven, and when he's talking about the new heavens and the new earth, he says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. 
John saw a picture that was unadulterated by pain. For the old order has passed away. And so what we have is we have these bookend images of God's intended purpose in creation being free of pain and God's ultimate purpose, heaven, being free of pain. And in between, you see God's heart breaking through. You see Him being compassionate. You see Him loving. And you see Him redeeming people's lives. But it's always in the midst of this pain. And so when we talk about being in control, yes, God is in control in that He created the earth and He set the earth in in motion. And yes, God is in control in ultimately, at the end of human history, God's purposes will prevail. And yes, God is in control in your life. He breathed you into being. And yes, at the end of your life, God's purposes are going to prevail in your life. But in this world and in our lives, in between, that's where we will experience pain. And because of sin, pain became a permanent fixture in our lives. Now here as a vineyard, as a part of the Vineyard Church, one of the statements that is uh, very close to our heart and really defines us as a church is what we call the now and the not yet kingdom. And what we mean by the now and the not yet kingdom is that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, and, and part of that prayer was, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus was saying is, listen, I realize that that sin is here, that pain is here, that sickness is here, that divisions between families and mothers and fathers and sons and fathers and and, and there's financial difficulties, there's all of this, but thy kingdom come. Break through all of this pain. And so what the Lord's Prayer is, is, listen, Father, break through. Show your kingdom. Show the end game right now in the middle of the game. Show the outcome. Bring healing. And so we believe that. So when we gather together, we pray for God's kingdom to come. We pray for that end picture to become a reality right now in people's lives. And so when we lay hands on people for them to be well, what we're essentially saying, we know how it's all ending. We know what your ultimate purpose is, God. Visit your purpose here and now in this person's life and deliver this person from alcoholism. Deliver this person from the bondage of fear. Deliver this person from shame. Bring healing to this person's body. We do that. But we do that being fully aware of the tension between God's ultimate purpose for there being no pain but we also know that we live in a sinful world. And so when the psalmist writes, Israel trusts in the Lord because His love is constant and He is always willing to save, what the psalmist is telling us is, listen, when you find yourself in pain, don't turn away from God. When you find yourself in pain, don't deny God. When you find yourself in pain, don't blame God. When you find yourself in in pain, don't give up on God. But when you find yourself in pain, lean on God. Trust God. Press into God. Find your strength in God. And know that it was never God's plan for you to experience pain. And know this, that ultimately God's plan will prevail in your life. Whether it's in this lifetime or whether it's in Revelation 24, ultimately God's plan is going to prevail in your life. critical for us to have a very, very clear understanding on this. It is the Father's heart to eradicate pain from our lives. And He was so committed to that that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, for that very purpose. And that kind of leads to our next point. That healing is always 
in the in God's heart. Healing is always in God's heart. Does anybody here know what Tuesday is? Tuesday is a big day. Anybody know what it is? Any accountants in the room? Tuesday? Tuesday is tax day. Normally it's the 15th, but it got shifted to Tuesday because of the weekend and holidays. What we do on tax day is we pay our taxes, right? Hopefully you pay your taxes. We can talk afterwards if you don't. Most of us pay our taxes, but we do it begrudgingly, right? We're not happy to pay our taxes, but we do it. And even though we all pay our taxes, I'm assuming the best of you, even though we all pay our taxes, you know one thing that none of us will do? And that would be to pay the taxes of our next-door neighbor. Could you imagine if the IRS sent you a, a bill and it's your taxes plus the taxes of your next-door neighbor, and the IRS just said, you know what, uh, we received a letter from your neighbor saying he wasn't going to pay his taxes this year, so we just thought we would roll them over to you. You're the closest neighbor. You pay for them, right? Like, nobody here would be willing to pay their neighbor's taxes. But that's exactly what God did for us when it came to sin and when it came to pain. That God didn't sin, yet He paid the price for our sin. God didn't cause our pain, yet He comes to heal our pain. In Isaiah 53, it says, Surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. By His pain, we are freed from pain. God is so committed to healing that He heals our pain even when the pain that we're experiencing is a result of us ignoring Him. Think about that for a second. It is possible for us to ignore God, to deny God, to do something that we know we shouldn't have done, to just fulfill our own passions and our own desires and our own lusts, and to let our lusts take us down a path that we never should have gone down, for us to go against everything that we know to be true, and then to find ourselves living in the consequences of that decision. And God comes along and says, hey, I'll take care of that for you. And even when that pain came, because we didn't obey Him, love Him, follow Him. He still paid for that pain. That's how much it is in the heart of God to eradicate pain from our lives. I don't care. I don't care whether it's somebody else or whether it was you that caused this pain. I want to bring healing in your life. You know, it's, it's interesting. You often hear about prison conversions people in jail having an encounter with God, and some people are probably pretty skeptical of that. I think I have a different view on that myself, personally. I'm sure that there's some people who do it for just a ploy. But I believe this, that there's probably not many places that are filled with more pain than a prison. Not many places filled with more regret and shame and anger than prisons. And I think where you find pain, you find the presence of God. Find the presence of God coming near people who are in pain. You find the presence of God coming near those who are brokenhearted. And these hardened men and women who have committed crimes and have walked away from God if they even knew God and living in a world of self-inflicted pain, I think you find the presence of God there. And I think at night, God kind of knocks on the door and the heart's of the most distraught and broken and pain-filled lives. 
hey, do you want to have a conversation? Do you want me to comfort you? When nobody else is around to comfort you, do you want me to comfort you? I believe that God is that committed to relieving pain from our lives that He stepped into the places like that to bring healing. But it's not just the doors of the prison that God knocks on and offers healing. I think every Sunday morning when we walk in here and we gather together, there's a special sense of God's presence. I believe that when we're worshiping, God is knocking on our hearts and He's saying, hey, I know there's some pain going on in your life. You want to sit down and talk about that? You want me to comfort you in that? You want me to breathe some hope and some life into that? I believe one of the things that we do in worship is in the midst of our pain and hopelessness and brokenness, sometimes we barely have the strength to lift up our hands and say, God, I need you. And, and as we read Psalm 130, I think sometimes worship is, is just what the psalmist says when we lift up our arms and we go, oh, in the depths of despair, I cry out to you. And there are times in worship where, where I'm uh, I'm not singing those words so much from a place of faith as I am from pain. Like, God, I'm in pain right now. But I know that these, these words will bring me into your presence. These words will connect me with you. I honestly believe over the next six weeks that God wants to do some incredible works of healing in our life. Every Sunday, we have prayer ministry teams available here where we say, Thy kingdom come in the life of this person. And we commit to coming alongside people and bringing healing in the places of, of hurt. We come alongside the bruised and speak liberty over them. So I want to really ask you, just from a kind of a, a place of fatherly and pastoral kind of nudging and urgency, I really want to encourage you. Prepare your heart for what God wants to do here. Because there are some things in your life that God wants to give you liberty from. I don't believe that it is the will of God that we carry around this weight of brokenness and hurt and pain and rejection. I don't believe that's what He wants. I believe His heart is for healing and so He knocks. And He says, listen, I'm willing to pay the price to do whatever it takes to get you well. Here's the last one I want to share with you today about the heart of God is that transformation is possible because of God's power. Similar to God is in control, we'll sometimes say that everything happens for a reason. You're not going to find that in the Bible, but we say that everything happens for a reason, and the fact of the matter is, is no, no it doesn't. Not everything happens for a reason. Sometimes things are just random. Sometimes things are just cruel. Sometimes things are just unfair. Sometimes things are just unjust. Sometimes you just have people who are angry and frustrated and they don't know who to take it out on and in their own brokenness, for no reason, they take it out on you and there's no reason and there's no purpose for it. And sometimes in life, there's no answer for why we experience pain. 
And you can chase that rabbit hole uh, for your entire life wondering, why, why, why did this happen to me? Let me tell you right now, a lot of times, maybe even most times in life, there is no answer for why we experience pain. It's either random or we just ran into the wrong person on the wrong day. And so we won't ever get the answer to why we experience pain. But there's always an answer for what God can do with the pain that has happened in your life. There's always an answer for how God can transform what you've been through. God has the power to take our pain take our brokenness and our bruisedness. He has the power to transform that pain into a powerful testimony. He says, let me take that pain and let me add a couple chapters to that story so that you're going to stand before other people and you are going to share your pain. But instead of the story ending in pain, the story is going to end in praise. And I'm going to add a couple chapters to your life and to that story. He has the power to do that. He has the power to, to, to come into your life and say, hey, I'm going to take the places of pain and I'm going to transform those places of pain into your purpose. And that your purpose in life will be to minister to the very people who have been through the pain that you have been through. And all of the pain that you have been through, I'm going to take those things and I'm going to transform those things and I'm going to empower those things so that you are going to have a new purpose in life to minister to those people who have been through what you've been through. And that is now your purpose. He has the power to do that. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, our mission statement is to create opportunities for people to encounter God and to experience transformation. And we believe with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our breath that one of the things that God transforms is the pain in our life. That He has the ability to take our brokenness and our fracturedness and everything that's been unfair and unjustly happened to us and all of the ways that people have hurt us. And He is able to take that and rework that and out of that, a testimony and a ministry that will redefine our lives. And that is the heart of God. This is what Romans 8.28 says. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Here's what I think God says to us. He walks up to us in our places of brokenness and pain. And he says, you know what? I sure wish that a lot of these things didn't happen to you. It was never in my plan or my purpose for this to happen to you. If it was up to me, if it was up to me, none of these would have happened to you. You know when the, the prodigal father walked up to the prodigal son? The prodigal father said, man, I'm glad you went through all of that. I was hoping you would go through all of that. I'm glad that you're thinking like the pigs. I'm glad that you've been broken, abused, and taken advantage. And no, no. The father came up to the son and said, oh, if it was my heart, son, you never would have needed to leave home to find out what my heart was. If my heart had its way, you never would have run into the people who abused you and took advantage of you. And all you ever would have known is what it would have meant to live in the house of God. That would have been my heart. But now let me take you. Let me heal you. Let me restore you. And let me transform what has happened in your life. 
See, God didn't author the pain in your life, but He has the power to author a redemptive outcome. So no matter where you are today, and no matter what you've been through, I want you to know that. I think we probably all have chapters of pain in our life that we're hoping God writes a different ending. And my prayer, my hope, and my passion for this series is that God would author and transform in every redemptive outcome in the places of pain in our lives. Let me invite the worship team forward. God, I thank you for the words of this message, and I, I pray that, that we would know the power of your heart. We would know the power of your goodness. And even though pain has the ability to blind us, to confuse us, to turn us every which way, I just pray that as we start this series, there would be a sense of, uh, of, of causing us to know our coordinates. Awaken us to, to understand the direction that you're in and the direction that we're going. So, oh, I, I, okay, I know where God is. I know where healing is. I'm not walking in that. So get us headed in the right direction by letting us know your heart. Like a, like a light at the end of the tunnel, like, like a, a light tower when you're lost at sea that you see. I know where safety is. I know where healing is. I pray that today we would have that sense of direction and that over the next six weeks you would slowly draw us closer and closer and closer to your light, to your revelation, to your transformation, and to your healing. I pray, God, even now begin deep works of healing in our lives. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. We can go ahead and bring the house lights down. Um, we're going to close the service with this song. Uh, and, and as we do, there's a couple ways that you can kind of engage with, with the message here and one is we, we had communion elements at the back. If you want to grab some of those and just personally and privately do communion, you're welcome to do that. You can sing the words of this song, but I want to encourage you to come forward and receive prayer today. And even if it's, even if it's this, hey, I sense that, that God is beginning a journey, and I just want prayer that, that I would be able to take this journey. I don't know where it's going to lead, but I know He's starting something, and then come for it. As I was walking through the roads before the service and, and praying, I sensed that God in particular wanted to heal people who have experienced the pain of abuse and, 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 and kind of struggle with that sense of being hurt but almost blaming yourself for that hurt. And so if that's you here today, I think God not only wants to bring healing to the pain, I think He wants to bring some clarity to the confusion. So if you're here today and you've kind of experienced kind of a one-two punch of pain and confusion or, or pain and shame, in particular, God wants to do some healing today. So let's stand together and let's sing this song. And please, I eagerly encourage you, come forward and receive prayer this morning.